The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, uh, good evening to everyone, and welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria, to the Buddha Loka Buddhist Centre. And for those who don't know who I am, who are we anyway? <laughs> yes, I'm Ajahn Nisarano, and I'm an Australian monk who ordained with Ajahn Brahm in Perth uh, 22 years ago as a full monk, as a, a higher ordination, and 23 years ago as a novice monk. And for the past uh, 13 and a half years, been living in Sri Lanka uh, and visiting Australia, visiting Australia. Uh, every year, pretty much lately, um, and coming to the uh, Buddhist Society of Victoria. So um, I always mention too that I was a layperson here, so <laughs> I have a connection from a long time ago, from the well, 1990s. So that's quite a while ago. So that's so that's um, introduction to myself. And this evening, I thought uh, I'd emphasize the. Because um, usually what we have is an introduction to the uh, med guided meditation, and then um, that's about half an hour. Then stretch the legs, <laughs> very important, get the, the blood flowing, and then have a meditation for about 45 minutes. And then after that, uh, if there are any uh, comments or questions or complaints, so we can, and that's the usual format. So this evening I thought I'd focus, first of all, mention uh, a bhavana. This is a, um, a part of the Buddhist uh, um, path of practice. We often hear of, uh, we call it dana, sila and bhavana. And that dana means giving or sharing. And it's, uh, it encompasses more than just giving uh, uh, to the sangha, to monks and Buddhist, Buddhist monks and Buddhist nuns. It's all forms of giving and sharing. And then, of course, we have the sila. This is the ethical behavior. So our actions are body and speech. And also it does encompass the mind as well. But bhavana is uh, in Sri Lanka. We have the, the term bhavana usually means meditation. So, but um, ba meditation is only part of bhavana. Bhavana is the development or cultivation of the mind, like we're cultivating a garden or uh, cultivating a crop. And, uh, and very much the way we cultivate or uh, that crop that will depend, the outcome of that will depend on the way we go about it, when we do it in, in, the, uh, in a good way. So the, this uh, bhavana, this developing of the mind, is actually um, really essentially uh, what the Buddha calls in the Noble Eightfold Path. Many people probably heard of the Noble Eightfold Path. And it's the uh, sixth factor, and this is called right effort. And that right effort is to really to develop and maintain positive or wholesome mind states and to avoid or let go of negative ones. And this is actually a practice, it's not just for meditation, it's 24-7. <laughs> we have to look after the, the mind, you know, day in, day out, all day, all night. Um, usually 
when we come to a Buddha center, the mind is quite well behaved, actually. <laughs> and the people are usually too. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is good. This is good and well. But uh, of course, you know, the other occasions, we're using our mind all the time when we go to work, uh, when we're involved in social uh, occasions, when we're interacting with our family and friends. Wherever we go, we're using our minds. And it's always... Um, a part of our practice to watch, to see how, what state the mind is in, what state the mind is in. And then, and if possible, to make any adjustments or um, uh, not quite uh, bring up some things that will, uh, causes and conditions that will lead to changing an unwholesome state of mind, letting go of it. And in fact, when we develop positive states of mind and maintain them, we are, in fact, avoiding unwholesome states of mind and, uh, and not experiencing them, so we don't necessarily have to let go. So this is uh, something that we need to do in our lives, not just here, not just on the cushion, not just on the walking path. But it's very interesting. if you People don't have a spiritual um, tradition that they're practicing within. Then they don't tend to think that they can cultivate the mind. And for many people, say, in the West, the idea of cultivating states like loving-kindness is, is quite foreign to them. They think you either have it or you don't. <laughs> you're either a loving person or you're not. So intrinsically seeing whatever states of mind we have as being uh, part of ourselves and being more or less fixed, which is an unfortunate way to look at it. And because of that, oftentimes people are very almost passively or unknowingly cultivating some of the negative qualities. You know, for instance, cultivating or developing positive or negative qualities just means we're repeating them again and again. We're making them a pattern, something that's much easier for us to do um, because it's so familiar. And we can and many people are doing this, developing negative things in the mind, getting angry, getting irritated, getting grumpy, getting critical, uh, looking at the faults in the world, looking at the faults in ourselves, and uh, arising from that, developing very negative states of mind. But people oftentimes won't realise that they're actually doing that. By giving attention, the Buddha said, whatever we give attention to, that grows. <laughs> And so if we give attention to positive qualities, that grows. If we give attention to negative qualities, that will grow. And the thing that enables a lot of these negative qualities is, is delusion, not seeing things clearly, not seeing things as they are. And we believe, you know, that we're perfectly entitled to get angry and upset and all these things. And of course we are entitled, but it's not, not much fun for us and the... And it can create this habit in the mind that gets stronger and stronger by repetition. So this is something that, uh, you know, all spiritual traditions emphasise developing good qualities in the mind. Um, developing good qualities, sometimes in other traditions like Christian tradition, it'll be through good actions. But if we're doing good actions, usually the, the mind states will be of a similar nature. So this evening, and most of my teaching actually 
focuses on positive mind states that we can develop. And there's so many in Buddhism, there's so many um, that are available to us, you know, and some of them, uh, the common ones, are like loving-kindness, uh, contentment, gratitude, you know, there's thankfulness. Um, many of these sorts of uh, positive states of mind uh, we can develop. And uh, I teach quite a few of them, actually. But for a while, I wanted to teach uh, one of the... Uh, one of the ones that we don't often hear about, um, which I do use in my practice quite a bit. Do people, have people heard of mudita? Mudita? Have you heard? I think some, you know? Yes. It's, uh, uh, mudita is part of the, the Buddha's teaching called the Brahma-viharas. Brahma-viharas. And this is usually translated as the divine abidings, sublime abidings, or... Uh, the boundless states, because they can be developed so that they're absolutely infinite <laughs> and then they're incredibly strong. So this is, mudita is one of these qualities. We know, most people have heard of metta, loving-kindness. Everyone heard of metta, loving-kindness, I think, yeah. And compassion, this is very famous, uh, Buddha is very famous for compassion and wisdom. So that's karuna. And this one here, mudita, is the third one. And this is a joy. I, I translate it as joy with um, others' success, even with our success too, and with our good qualities, with others' good qualities. So it's a, a very good meditation for bringing positive qualities to the mind and addressing or balancing our tendency to look at the negative you know, it's amazing, uh, I find, you know, with the internet and everything, how, uh, you know, of course, news is always negatively focused <laughs> because it's, it's what somebody's done that's uh, often, you know, quite extraordinarily bad. So we, we, we tend to focus on it. But it does have an effect on the mind. We, we start to become suspicious of others. We think others are, you know, uh, are psychopaths and are, are about to do harm or we have a very negative way of looking at life. It's not balanced. Instead, uh, mudita is going, it looks at the more uh, positive aspects of people's lives, their successes in their lives, how, whatever sort of successes they are. But in particular tonight, I'd like to look at the qualities that people have, these, you know, these good qualities that we have, other people have. And the... Uh, the Pali Dictionary for, uh, defines uh, uh, mudita as soft-heartedness. Nice word, isn't it? Soft-heartedness. That's good. Because uh, mudu, like in mudita, means soft or flexible. So it's a sort of a kindliness and uh, they say sympathy. So it's very... And some people here would, uh, would know, have you heard of anamodana? And that's a Pali word, anamodana. And this is... Rejoicing anu along with and uh, modana rejoicing along with, so this is this is something we do when someone offers something to monks and nuns. We rejoice along with them, and uh, we also have the idea too when we we have punya anamodana we call it, and this is rejoicing at the merits people have made, the good things that they've done. So this is, as I say, joy with others or uh, success or qualities is, some, is, a, is a translation I like. And it comes from uh, 
more from Ayakema, actually. Ayakema, the famous uh, German Buddhist nun, she used to use that quite a bit. Other names for it, uh, which uh, uh, I think Bhikkhu Bodhi uses, altruistic joy, altruistic joy. It's sort of uh, selfless, you know, selfless joy, I suppose you say, or, you know, uh, yeah, selfless giving. Uh, or sympathetic joy is another one yes, that people use. And appreciative joy. So these are all um, focusing on what the, uh, the Vasudhimanga, this is a famous meditation manual for uh, Buddhist meditation, and it, it, it focuses on it as gladness. That's what it talks about, gladness. But it's actually this quality of taking joy in something that's good. And it's usually um, often uh, a good quality in another person or their success. We don't hear very often of mudita meditations. I only remember once <laughs> hearing of it when a monk uh, I know from uh, Western Australia, he was in Western Australia then, Ajahn Yanadamo taught. Um, he gave a mudita guided meditation. Like It would be a bit different what I do this evening. So, And the interesting thing with this uh, mudita meditation uh, is that uh, the Buddha usually taught these four qualities that I mentioned, loving-kindness, that's metta, karuna or compassion, mudita, um, joy with others, success or good qualities, and equanimity, upeka. He taught them usually together, like you do metta first, then karuna, and then uh, mudita, and then equanimity. So they were a set. He did them together usually. We tend to do it. We do a lot of loving kindness actually or um, maybe some compassion meditation, that sort of thing. So this is... uh, And I'll read out uh, how the Buddha encouraged... It doesn't give you a lot of detail how to do it, but it does give you the idea of um, that he does it in a sequence and also it gives you an idea of the power of these meditations. Sometimes people think of loving-kindness as being a bit like these soft toys, soft and fluffy and <laughs> sweet, <laughs> but really it has the power, an enormous power when it becomes um, boundless, and this is what the Buddha is interested in. When the liberation of the mind, he calls it through loving-kindness or through uh, joy with others, through compassion, through equanimity. So, and this is, can be the basis for um, making a breakthrough to enlightenment too, can be used. So this is a famous chant. Uh, in Thailand they do this chant uh, in as a uh, regular part of their evening chanting or morning chanting. So I'll just read it out so it gives you an idea. And it comes from the uh, Buddhist teachings from the middle length discourses. And it's called, this is what the Buddha says, he abides pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, likewise the second quarter, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above, below, around, everywhere, and to all as to oneself. Uh, One abides pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. And so that's the loving-kindness. And then he goes on to one abides uh, pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with compassion, 
and then with a mind imbued with joy with others. Um, read that out. Likewise the second, likewise the third quarter, likewise the fourth. So above, below, around and everywhere. And so to all as to oneself. One abides pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with joy with others, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. And then the last one, uh, one, how do we get to that? Uh, one, one, pervade, uh, one abides pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with equanimity, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility, measurable that without ill will and without ill will. So that's that's how the Buddha described these Brahma Viharas. So he did them as a set. And it's interesting because of course metta or loving kindness is usually you th- you can think of it in one way as being to oneself and to others that are not in a particularly difficult situation at that time. And uh, whereas compassion is for oneself and for others when there are problems and difficulties in our lives and their lives. And mudita, it it, it looks at uh, the situation when there is successes or good things happening in our life, in our life, in other other people's lives. And equanimity is, is when, for ourselves and for others, we cannot do much at that particular time. Things are playing themselves out. Equanimity has this balance that uh, sees uh, that, that this time one can just be there, let it be, and uh, support the person, support oneself with loving kindness, but allow that energy or that situation to play out. So you could ask yourself, what are the benefits of practising mudita, <laughs> practising joy with others? And as I mentioned, we get the, first of all, it gives us that balance because otherwise we can get a very negative focus on life, you know. And, and, and as a result, you know, I think you can see, you know, if you, uh, the effect you can see of news and uh, um, a lot of the uh, things we read on the internet can give rise to a lot of fear, insecurity, can give rise to anxiety because it makes us uh, fearful of the possibilities in in the world without giving us the giving us the balance that there are positive inputs happening as well which don't get so much airplay and of course you know then that that can also mean that we look at ourselves in a very fault-finding way and negative way so so this provides balance when we look at the good qualities of other people, the successes of other people, and, uh, and in that way uh, reduce those fears and insecurities. But the main purpose of uh, mudita meditation, of joy with others, is to reduce envy and jealousy. You know, this is the states of mind that I think everybody is uh, quite uh, familiar with, you know, for instance, that... Uh, we think, why them? Why not me? <laughs> that they, you know, whatever good success they've had, that sort of thing. Um, we, we, we don't necessarily wish them well. We just think, wow, how come I didn't get it? That sort of idea. So it's uh, this jealousy and envy, of course, is a very negative quality in our minds. And uh, 
it's a very unpleasant quality. But we can see, you know, that uh, also um, when we practice mudita, it, it will reduce these uh, and other negative qualities like uh, desire and ill will. Um, and also that uh, tendency to uh, compare ourselves with others, well, that's, that's, that's quite a, a strong thing that it can reduce. Um, and we can just rejoice in the, the successes of other people, the good qualities that they have. And, and in actual fact, we can use them sort of as role models. And this is what I'll talk about in a minute. So, and when we think, you know, when we think, why, why are they getting this opportunity, this, uh, this uh, promotion or <laughs> winning the lottery or whatever it is, that uh, somebody has uh, experienced. I, I would say it's because you know, the causes and conditions are right for that person to experience that at that time. And, of course, the wisdom uh, that uh, we often hear from Ajahn Brahm, good, bad, who knows? <laughs> we can't tell. Sometimes things turn out very differently even you know, from what we expect. But oftentimes, I find, I've, I think you've probably noticed it too, there's actually reverse mudita in many ways when people take, take a sort of joy or delight in people's problems and uh, suffering and thinking, either thinking, well, thank goodness it's not me, <laughs> but also maybe thinking that, uh, um, in the, that they've joined the club, as it were, you know, they've, they're suffer- they've joined the club of people who are suffering. So oftentimes people do, you know, they can, I've seen it myself, you know, that it can take a delight in somebody's difficult situation. But the main thing we get from uh, mudita, from joy, reflecting on joys, with uh, uh, joy uh, with other success, is it's like a piggyback effect. They're happy. But if we take, uh, if we rejoice in their happiness, their good fortune, their good qualities, we get happiness. So this is what I call the piggyback uh, effect. We're riding on this person's happiness and in actual fact creating a a positive, you know, we say (laughs) win-win, win-win out of that situation. We're getting something out of it too. And this gives rise to this joy and this uh, happiness. We call it piti sukha which can, we can use in our meditation, which we can use in our lives too, because then um, this, this will buoy us up, this will give us a feeling of uh, uh, joy and happiness. So this is very, something that can be very useful. And sometimes you find uh, that, um, I, I find that uh, when people are talking about their lives, their difficulties in lives and so on, and how they've overcome that, that can give me a lot of joy and inspiration. So we see a lot, this isn't a good side of the internet, of motivational speakers and some of them talking about the problems that they had in life and how they overcame them and the qualities they, they developed. And, you know, I've, I've seen a, f- a few, quite a few, that really inspire. I don't know if people have seen Janine Shepard, you know, the woman who, who had a... Uh, she was on a... Uh, uh, doing some cycling, she was an athlete and doing some cycling, and got hit by a, a, a truck, 
and got uh, the spine was broken in six places and they didn't think she could walk and all this sort of thing and uh, and it shows her um, her determination actually her strength of mind that's one of the qualities you could really uh, identify to overcome this and and she has this breakthrough when she she's sitting on a veranda and she's in a full body cast in a, a wheelchair and she can hardly you know I think she can move a foot a toe a little bit and she saw a plane flying over and she said well if I can't walk I can fly and so <laughs> So amazingly, she learned to fly and, and actually became a uh, uh, pilot and became an instructor. All this, uh, quite incredible. And she was able to uh, walk again and uh, even uh, later have children, which was just phenomenal because it was uh, not expected. But some of these people, they can really inspire us and that's that joy. I associate that joy with Mudita, with uh, the... The, the way they've dealt with a difficult situation. There are many, many people like that. Um, I think Nelson Mandela is uh, one that inspires many people, that he uh, didn't become bitter and twisted, as they say, uh, and that, that can inspire us too. But this very much links into what we, uh, focusing on a person's good qualities, can become that can become like a what we call kalyana mitta, uh, like that person can become a role model for us, a spiritual friend for us, in the sense that when we see somebody who embodies uh, particular qualities, we can actually see how they do, how they are. When you see somebody with a quality, you can get an idea of how you can, we can do it too, and so this is a very very useful thing with. Uh, uh, focusing on people's good qualities, and you know, for me, of course, you know, I think there there are many. Uh, I I really much enjoy seeing that the good qualities in people and getting a lot of happiness out of that. And uh, whether they be monks or nuns, whether they be lay people that I've met, it can be anybody actually. And uh, some some when we uh, see these people, it can be very inspiring. So like Ajahn Brahm for me. You know, he's got so many uh, inspiring qualities that um, I find, you know, they're a role model for me. <laughs> and, you know, like naturalness, kindness. I don't think anybody could match his humour. <laughs> I think that's not possible. It's probably dangerous, too, to try. Uh, and his uh, mindfulness. I, I, when you live with somebody, you see their mindfulness much better, actually. And... Uh, his adaptability and flexibility is extraordinary, I, I think, because I've seen him over uh, 20, more than 25 years, so it's incredible. And um, also his wisdom too, so all these things. But I, I because I, being a Buddhist monk, I, I look for these good qualities actually, and, the, and are not so, well, you know, people's bad qualities, of course, become very obvious to us. But uh, and maybe our bad qualities too. But if we focus on them, they can become the basis for negative qualities to arise in our mind, not not positive ones. So I know in Sri Lanka I've met uh, um, many um, uh, uh, lay people who have got really amazing qualities, and some of them just extraordinary. You know, in terms of generosity, their sort of faith or their confidence in the Buddha's teaching, 
um, even their wisdom, the way they'll put, put themselves out to help uh, monks and nuns, the kindness and consideration. And for me, it's interesting because I think for Buddhists from the West, you know, our, our faith faculty or confidence faculty, this is a sadha in uh, Pali, is not, not as strong, not so strong. But if you live in a Buddhist country, it's very interesting. You, be, you come into contact with it much more. You pick it up much more. And of course, one of the best things for developing faith is actually to go to India and see the holy sites, you know, go visit the place where the Buddha was born, uh, where he became enlightened, where he gave his first teaching and then passed away, those four places. It really gives a lot of, of faith and confidence. And, of course, it's all very well uh, to look at people at a distance and see the good qualities, but here in the BSV or in your lives there will be people who have good qualities yourself, other people who have good qualities. So we look at closer to home is, is good. And uh, when we do that, we can have, develop a sense of thanks or gratitude too for these good qualities. So this uh, meditation, which we're uh, about to start, will focus on the good qualities of someone we can uh, bring to mind. Maybe we can think of somebody who... <laughs> I hope you don't spend the whole meditation trying to think of someone whose qualities got good qualities. Oh, God. If you do, then it probably is a sign that the mind is directed towards looking at the negative. That's, uh, that's uh, one, of the, one of the things I often uh, do a test for, I think... I ask people, you know, can they think? Can you think of uh, three good things about yourself? And uh, then I ask, can you think of three things that are not so good? Which was easier? Usually the, sorry, not so good. Not so good yes, because we've got the. We have a, a, a you know a to do list, an improvement list, could be better list. <laughs> and we do that on ourselves pretty much actually, and we don't look at the good qualities we already have actually. So this is uh, this is naturally the way our minds are, are inclined because of this natural desire towards to go towards tanha. We call it desire or craving, and it's what our society is uh, is. Uh, uh, promoting, because if people uh, don't have this uh, this sense of desire coming from a fact, coming from the sense of, oh, it could be better, I, this will lead to my happiness if I get this, you know, if we didn't have that, then, uh, you know, people would be afraid Chadston would close down. <laughs> I don't think so, I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> So this evening, as I said, we focus on the good qualities of people. I wasn't going to focus on uh, um, their successes because that can uh, we can uh, derail the meditation that way. You know, I think sometimes uh, people may you know they may find negative states coming up, negative mind uh, thoughts or whatever. So, are there any questions about mudita meditation or joy with others, uh, success or good qualities? Has anybody ever done the mudita meditation? Oh, you have. Uh, who? Not that one, but 
Different one. Who did you do it with? Oh, has he really? Oh, I yeah. must have a look at it. Yeah. But he does it from the opposite perspective, looking at, I think, trying to bring up a memory that brings up your ego and defensiveness and kind of looking at how that's constructed. And, yeah, oh, all right, all right. From the other side. All right. No, no, that, that, that looks like, it sounds like it would buy into some negative states of mind, I think. Yeah, 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 because yeah. we're really aiming at bringing up something that's... Uh, very um, uh, joyful, you know, joyful. And the reason that the, the Buddha often, I think the reason he often does it to the directions, you remember the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter and fourth quarter, is so that it avoids, you know, uh, individuals' personal, uh, personal uh, um, bringing up personalities, uh, which could derail the meditation as we get into stories about what they've done, they've said, which could derail loving kindness or joy with their good qualities, success and so on. He tends to avoid that because he's interested in making the mind um, this uh, unbounded quality uh, that's incredibly strong and then uh, everybody's included in that. When it's unbounded, we're included in it too. That's the nice thing about all beings. We're part of all beings. <laughs> so sometimes people feel like they can't give themselves loving kindness or, or, in this case, joy, joy with others' success or good qualities. But, uh, you know, this is... Uh, we're included in all beings, so very good. So if you'd like to stretch your legs for a minute, and this is the important part of meditation. Oh. So, so we can try this uh, mudita uh, meditation, this uh, joy with others, uh, success or good qualities. And the first thing for us is to, first of all, come into the present moment and let go of the past and the future. Just leave it at the door. 
where we can pick it up later. And to pay, if we can pay attention to adjusting the body so that it uh, is comfortable for the meditation, about 45 minutes. And we can close the eyes and we can start from the feet, just checking out how the feet are on the floor and the legs. And are we uh, sitting comfortably on the cushion or the chair? And how the, uh, the hips, if they are balanced, can move them around to find the optimum position. And then moving the attention up the back to see if it's uh, reasonably straight but not uh, tense. And then focusing on the uh, shoulders and moving them around to give them a bit of exercise. And balancing them, just finding a sort of a balance for them. And placing the hands uh, where they're most comfortable, either on the lap or on the uh, legs, the thighs, or however we find comfortable and balanced. And also looking at the position of the neck and the head over the shoulders. If they feel uh, balanced, a good position. Some people find uh, tucking the chin in is helpful. However, we can feel the body and feel, allow it to balance. sitting with the body here and we can start relaxing the body from the top of the head with this sort of kindness, relaxation, soothing attention. The top of the head, the back of the head, the sides of the head. Giving this warm attention, relaxing attention and moving the attention down the forehead and soothing that. And moving down to the cheeks and relaxing them. And around the eyes and around the mouth. Soothing, relaxing. and bringing to mind the neck and moving our attention down the neck all around this warm attention and bringing to mind the right shoulder starting at the neck and slowly moving our attention along the shoulder relaxing Letting go of any tension or strain.
And now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the arm and moving slowly down the right arm, taking in the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers. and bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder, relaxing and soothing the left shoulder. to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention slowly down the left arm, including the elbow, the wrist, the hands and the fingers. bringing to mind the back, starting below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back slowly with its warm, kind uh, attention, mentally massaging the back. front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, the diaphragm, the stomach and the abdomen, soothing them, giving this warm, relaxing attention.
Now bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention all around the right leg, down the right leg, including the knee and the foot and the toes. Now focusing on the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention slowly down the left leg all around and including the knee, ankle, foot and toes. Now bringing to mind the whole body, just sitting here, relaxed, soothed and hopefully comfortable. Just sitting here in the present moment. can have the intention for this meditation to develop joy with someone's qualities and we can bring to mind even our own qualities it can be used but we can bring to mind perhaps a teacher or a spiritual teacher a parent grandparent friend whoever someone that has uh, a very positive quality that we notice And we can pay attention to the feeling that can arise when we recognize this positive quality in this other person or even in ourselves really.
this feeling we may be aware of it can be like a warmth or a joy uh, maybe a sense of thanks or inspiration appreciation And we can fill our bodies with this feeling of joy, appreciation, however, or thanks. Fill our bodies from head to toe with this feeling, this joyful or appreciative feeling. Filling the body and the mind with this joy. It allows the mind to let go of any of the negative qualities, the worries, the tiredness, whatever state we find the mind in at this time. Allowing this joy to fill the body and mind. And when we breathe in, we can breathe in this sense of joy or thanks or appreciation. And we can breathe it out to the world. Breathing it in, this joy, appreciation, gladness, and breathing it out. If people like a mantra, you can always use a mantra to go with it. Something like sadhu is good for people who know Buddhist language, and or wonderful is another one, marvelous is another one, awesome, more, more recent one. Breathing in this joy and breathing it out, allowing it to fill us and fill the mind, the body, and breathing it out to the world.
And if this feeling of joy or happiness, thankfulness reduces, we can bring to mind the quality that originally brought this feeling up. Person, the quality that brought this feeling to our minds.
share this joy with others, good qualities, with everyone here in the hall, like a gift. Wishing them this joy, this thankfulness, appreciation, gladness, however they experience it. Sharing it with all the people, beings here in this hall. and expanding it little by little outside this hall to include all beings, the insects, the people, the animals, <coughs> or everyone with this feeling of sharing this joy, thankfulness, appreciation. And expanding it fill the whole of Melbourne. That these beings, these people, the animals, filled with this positive energy, these good qualities, expanding it further to fill the whole of Victoria. Sharing these positive, this joy, these positive qualities with all the beings, people, animals, insects, here in Victoria. And expanding it further to encompass the whole of Australia.
especially for those beings that have been affected by the fires, bushfires, to give them this sense of joy, positive energy. They can lighten the situation, bring hope. And then expanding this feeling of sharing joy to the whole world, to all the beings in the whole world and in every realm of existence, wherever beings exist. can slowly come back to ourselves and focus on this feeling of joy at the good qualities of others and even ourselves. have the wish or the aspiration to pay more attention to the good qualities of others and develop more of this feeling of joy that arises from that. And to have this aspirational wish to share it with others. especially through our speech and our actions, to share this joy at the good qualities of oneself and others. We can anchor this feeling of joy at the good qualities of others and ourselves in our hearts. And it's something we can remember and return to whenever we need. And we can just reflect for a few moments on the meditation and how we feel now. Do we feel any different from before the meditation?
we can ask ourselves, were we able to get in touch with this feeling of joy, appreciation or thanks, gladness, arising from the good qualities of others or ourselves? Were we able to feel that? And we can ask ourselves how we felt when we shared this joy with others here in this hall and all around the world. How did that feel? Did it feel different from when we were experiencing that ourselves? And we can just reflect on whether this feeling of joy or appreciation, thanks, gladness, whether it changed during the meditation. Did it arise, remain for a time, and pass away and then re-arise? What was the experience? Was it coming and going? We're noticing the mind changing. And we can ask ourselves, what caused these feelings to arise? What triggered them? What brought them up in the mind, in the emotions? And we can ask ourselves, who or what experienced this feeling, whatever feeling we experienced? Did, did we make it happen or did it, hap did it arise just from the causes and conditions?
And now we can slowly come out of the meditation and open our eyes slowly and move the body to make ourselves more comfortable. As I usually ask, <laughs> are there any comments, questions, or complaints? Arjan, thank you very much. There are some oh, online questions. Yes, yes, yes. Before we do, I'd just like to mention that we were all part of a circle of mudita that went around the world because we had people listening from Scotland, UK, Geelong, India, Sri Lanka and France. France. Um, So there are just a couple of questions. Mm. Um, The first question is how can I cultivate energy to keep wholesome thoughts in mind more often so that it's natural to me. Ah. For the time being, I have to try hard to keep mind from my mind from defilements. Right. The, uh, the, way, the way we can uh, keep the mind free of defilements is to develop um, more positive states, make them more of a default setting for the mind. That's a, that's a good way to avoid a lot of the negative states of mind coming up uh, in the first place. But to develop the energy to do that really comes from um, seeing the benefits in keeping the mind, but not keeping the mind, creating the conditions for the mind to be positive, to be wholesome, and seeing the drawbacks, seeing what it's like when it isn't. <laughs> That's a great incentive. To, uh, for developing more positive states of mind because we just see that it's so much more pleasant, so much more enjoyable, so much less problems in our lives when we, when we have positive uh, mind states and emotions. So I hope that, uh, that helped with that one. Yes. Right, thank you, Ajahn. And the second question from the United Kingdom. How can I simply observe my thoughts and accept their presence without buying into their content and so getting lost in thinking. Thank mm. you. Ah, oh, right. Yes, that is a difficult one, actually. And often that's why, you know, oftentimes people use labelling or that sort of uh, recognition that thinking is happening without going into the contents and uh, to avoid getting caught up in the, st- the stories that go with it because that's very easy, easy to happen, you know, with these thoughts. And especially because they haven't... They can uh, get into a loop and, and we can just keep going over and over it again. So in that case, it's often very good just to, to notice that one is thinking and not go into the details of the thinking. That's a possibility. 
But if it's an obsessive thought, maybe we can replace it with a, a mantra, a word, something like that, useful. They, of course, you know, uh, the, um, the, 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 the real refuge is being in the present moment, <laughs> let the thoughts, because then the, they don't continue so much in the present moment, just being grounded with the body particularly. Um, because uh, uh, we're giving attention to the mind and the mind is you know, thinking, thinking. But if we ground it with the body, paying more attention to the body, seeing the present moment as an oasis from the thinking, going in. Most of the thinking is about the future or the past. <laughs> so if we can come into the present moment, we can find that as a refuge, actually, or from the thinking. And to, you know, to... Uh, Part of the reason we continue to focus on the thinking because we think it's our thinking, you know, it's our stuff. So we're going to give it, we give attention to it, we think it's important and so on, not realizing that really it's arisen from the conditions, you know, that we've experienced, you know, we've thought about it a lot or other people have told us this is a, a, something is an issue or whatever it is. And so we tend to have create, we tend to get caught these, these uh, thinking tends to get a momentum of its own. But if we don't identify with it, this is my thinking, my thoughts, it's a bit like when we're on the bus or the train. If we overhear somebody's conversation, we're not going to be very upset. We may even be bored. We may even think, well, why, why can't they keep this to themselves? You know. But if you can develop that idea of watching your thoughts and thinking of it as somebody else's thoughts or like listening to a conversation that you're not that interested in, we've heard many times before, that can help. Because that's our ownership of things that really creates the problems, the attachments. That's easier said than done, actually. But sometimes you can find these little things that work for you, you know, like the idea of, um, you know, it's an overhearing somebody else's conversation think oh may help help one let go from identifying it as something personal as something important so I hope that that helps yeah and I was going to mention too that for this meditation to become a pamana to become this boundless state the way one would do that is for the, just to go to the feeling so the feeling is everything else drops away and just to be with the feeling, and the feeling becomes the object of the meditation. And then that can lead into these uh, jhana states, the deep meditation states, uh, and then the mind becomes completely, you know, sort of boundless, you know, becomes boundless. So this is, this is how it can be done, you know. Same with metta, same with karuna, with, uh, also with equanimity too. We can use all of these. But of course, you know, it may be a good approach to, to use all four of them, try all four of them during the day, because there'll be situations during the day that will need different responses. And metta is sometimes appropriate, karuna, compassion is, joy with other people's success or good, good qualities, and equanimity uh, when things are out of control. <laughs> This is quite good. It could be with ourselves too, you know, the mind just going on and on. And just that, having that quality of equanimity, letting it be, can be the wisest thing at those times rather than trying to stop it or control it when it's out of, 
out of control. So that's a very useful thing. And a thing, one of the things that uh, um, Ayakima used to mention, it was more in a negative sense. You know, she would say, she would be talking about, you know, anger. If people get angry, they get upset with another person. She would say, the other, don't, she'd say, don't blame the trigger. They're only the trigger because the emotion we're experiencing, the anger, the irritation, annoyance, whatever it is, envy, jealousy, whatever it is we're experiencing, is within us. They're just triggering it off. So this is what she would say, don't blame the trigger. And her formula would be uh, recognition of the situation, uh, no blame, and then change. But we can use the same concept in a positive way. And we are doing that, we did that this evening, using you know, other people's good qualities as a trigger, using other uh, qualities of, uh, um, that we find generate loving kindness, like the idea of a best friend is a very useful one. Using these to trigger these qualities, these emotions, these positive mind states. And we can get very uh, creative with it and we can get to develop um, these mind states and these emotions more easily if we can pick up those triggers and use them that way. So that can be a very useful thing because this quality we can take into our meditation, into our lives, and of course it's very useful in the meditation because the mind that is content, that is happy, is the mind that can develop one-pointedness and from that one-pointedness develop insight into um, the nature of our existence. So even at the end of it, you, those, that review is really looking at, you know, some of the big issues, <laughs> the biggies in Buddhism, which is, you know, change, impermanence, change, seeing things change in the mind, and also seeing uh, seeing unsatisfactoriness that uh, sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't there, uh, that things. Uh, that when we, we can't have things the way we want them to be, then it's, uh, this is usually unsatisfactory. And also, one of the big things is that it's not, it, not to take it personally. This is an emotion, loving-kindness, mudita, are emotions that come from causes within the mind. And we don't have to own them personally and then think, oh, I can't do metta, I can't do mudita or whatever. These are qualities that can come up given the right triggers, the right causes, and we can develop them and recondition the way we see the world. And as I say, we need that sort of balance given you know, a, a lot of the negativity that uh, one often encounters uh, about the world situation and the news and about uh, coronavirus and all, all manner of things. So fortunately there is some good news. I know the ABC app, it has one section called Good News. <laughs> it's only one amongst about 10 or 15 <laughs> sections. So, but it's good to focus on those things because we see that these are good triggers for us in our lives. You know, So uh, we just have to see what things are giving rise to good qualities and what things aren't and be choosy, choosy about them for our own happiness and well-being. So I'd like to finish there because just running over the time. And for those who would like to, you're welcome to pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and the Sangha. Good luck with Moody.